Father, we thank you for an opportunity to praise you. I pray that you would use our time this morning again to bring honor to yourself, but that you would use your word to encourage and strengthen us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And while you are doing that, if you would turn to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, as we continue um, in our series through uh, the season of Lent, as we prepare for the celebration of the resurrection. Um, How many of you in your preparation found out that something went wrong? You prepared, 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 and then all of a sudden something happened that you did not expect. Has that ever happened to anybody? It happened to this guy. That is, uh, you may have seen that this week, that is a weasel that was uh, going to attack uh, a rather large uh, woodpecker. Like we have around here, those pileated woodpeckers that are pretty big. This is actually, you can't tell from the picture, but that's a woodpecker that's about a foot long. And that weasel thought he was going to have lunch, and the woodpecker said, I'm out of here. And his prepar- I don't know what happened after that, but his preparation certainly didn't go as planned. I don't know who lost that battle in the end. Uh, quite possibly both of them lost that battle in the end. I'm not sure. Um, but sometimes our, our preparations don't go the way that we expected. Right? But we prepare anyway, correct? It's part of our daily life. Um, from simple hygiene, right? Brush your teeth, wash your face, comb your hair. Before you leave the house, uh, to bigger things like preparing for a wedding. Um, some of us spend uh, thousands of dollars and many, many hours preparing for a career. And we hope and we wish and we desire that things really go the way we want them to go, that things work out, that we didn't waste all that time and all that money. I'm currently preparing for a spring garden. And the last couple of days have given me hope that that's actually spring actually will arrive. And part of that preparation has been kind of a long time coming. Every month we set aside a little bit of money so that when spring gets here, it's not, oh, we need to buy this, 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 and this. There's money set aside in an envelope so that we can just pay cash and it doesn't take a, a hit to, any, to the budget. And that's part of what preparation is. Sometimes it takes diligence. Sometimes it takes perseverance. Sometimes it takes a long view towards something. Especially you young people thinking about college, thinking about a career. Right? The preparation that it's going to take you to get from point A to where you want point B will often take many hours and lots of money. And diligence and perseverance. And sometimes long-suffering and sometimes pain and frustration and aggravation. Um, throughout scripture we see that God wants his people to prepare for things it often happens that he says I want you to do this so that something else will take place from the beginning to the end God has his people prepare that's what we want to talk about this morning is the fact that one of the things that we need to do is prepare to celebrate the resurrection so to prepare to do that we're going to look back at what we've been and where we are this morning and where we're going. Um, these six ideas that we look at from Exodus and the Lord's Supper and then what it happens today, we began a couple weeks ago talking about new beginnings. That It was the, the beginning of the year for the Israelites. 
uh, and that God did something completely new through the cross, that it was an emphasis on family. In the Passover, they ate the meal together as a family and that Jesus gathered his spiritual family together to celebrate the Passover. Uh, this morning, we'll look at the fact that there was a requirement of preparation. And then in the next three weeks, that it centered around sacrifice. There was a call to remember, and it required repetition. So we look at the Exodus story. Um, while he had them prepare, we need to keep in the back of our mind, or really the front of our mind, that God was the one who delivered them. In all the commands of Scripture, in all the things where God asks his people to do something, we always have to keep in mind that there is always a necessity to depend upon grace. With the youth this morning, we looked at a passage in 2 Timothy of several things that Paul asks Timothy to do, but he begins and ends that passage with a call to remember it really is up to God. You really have to depend upon grace. All of those commands in Scripture, if you seek to do them on your own, we end up failing. And so he had them prepare in several ways. You need to get rid of all the leaven out of your house. You need to uh, decide how big your family is and how much food you're going to need. What size lamb and do you need to invite the neighbors? How many lambs do you need? You needed to ask your Egyptian neighbors for articles of silver and gold and clothing. And you need to be packed and ready to go. Your sandals and your feet, your staff in your hand. This is going to be a quick exit out of here. I want to look at two of those in particular this morning and, and focus on a couple. One of them actually happens in chapter 11 when God says, Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man ask from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. So the part of the preparation is you got to go to these Egyptians and you got to ask them for valuable things. Well, who does that? Or have you ever just gone to your neighbor and said, can I have your gold and silver? You may have ever done that? What are they going to say? Probably, right? But God says, um, the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. God went before them into the hearts of the Egyptians so that that bizarre and foolish request was granted. And the text says that the Israelites ended up plundering the Egyptians. Now, why was that? Was that just like the nine and a half plague? Right? Was that part of one of the plagues? Why did they do that? Well, we turn over several pages to Exodus 25 and we find out that Moses calls the people and says, okay, I need everyone to contribute to the building of the temple. We need your gold, we need your silver, we need some fine clothing. Where did they get all that stuff? They've been slaves for years. Where did that come from? It came from the Egyptians. And what we see often and often over and over again is that God will fund His requirements through non-believers in an, an odd sort of way. He says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to the one who pleases God. I had a conversation with the pastor this week who uh, 
pastors in Pensacola, and there's a, a, an air training base there. And he says their church, on average, has a 25% turnover every year. So can you imagine every year 25% of your church leaves and you get new people? Over and over and over, he said, for the last 20 years. I said, God, it must be hard. He said, no, it's wonderful. He said, we, we equip people and we train people and then we send them all over the world as missionaries on the government's dime. He said, it's great. It's a wonderful ministry. And you kind of go, well, that's looking at the glass half full, isn't it? Right? That using somebody else's funds to spread the kingdom of God. And so what that did was it allowed them to worship God It allowed them to build the tabernacle so that God would be present with them. And so we see that the Israelites' preparation allowed them to experience God's blessing, His presence in their life. Their preparation allowed them to experience His blessing. How else do they prepare? Well, he said, take a lamb. Not only are you going to kill the lamb and eat it, but you're going to take some of the blood and you're going to put it on on your doorpost on the outside. And that's going to distinguish you from the Egyptians. And when the angel passes over to take the firstborn, you'll be spared. And if any Israelite didn't do that, then they weren't protected. So the second thing we see is that the Israelites' preparation allowed them to experience God's protection. Them preparing ahead of time, they experienced God's blessing in the future and His immediate protection. Just a, just a couple of ideas for you to keep in the back of your mind. So now we, again, fast forward 1,500 years. And Jesus gives some strange requests to the disciples. He wants them, because they come to Him and say, where do you want us to prepare the Passover? And He gives them this bizarre instruction. You're going to go in the town, you're going to meet a guy with a water pot, and you're going to ask Him, and, and He's going to show you a room that's ready and prepared. You see, Jesus had gone before them. He'd made arrangements. Now, they still had to go and get a lamb and kill it. They had to find someone to wash feet. Well, they almost completely prepared, right? They didn't even do everything they were supposed to do, but Jesus had gone before them. But then after the meal, there was something that happened that didn't happen in the Exodus. Something strange. Because Jesus did tell His disciples to prepare. But what He said they had to do was to pray. To pray. That was the extent of their preparation. Because because Jesus has gone before us, our preparation in the Christian life today consists largely of prayer. And why? He wanted them to avoid temptation. You see, no matter what they did that night, Jesus was going to take care of sin. No matter what they did that night, Jesus was going to take care of death. Whether they prepared or didn't prepare, Jesus was going to go before them and us to take care of sin and death. 
in spite of the disciples. They're arguing, they're denying, they're fleeing. And so the preparation He wanted them to make was not for any huge thing. It was basically for themselves. I want you to avoid temptation. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, he told Peter. I want you to avoid the temptation of choosing yourself over spiritual things. And that is still true today. The preparation that we are called to do in the Christian life is in the spiritual realm, and the preparation that we're called to do is to pray. Paul wrote the Galatians in chapter 5, Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Sounds simple enough, right? But how do we do that? Well, Jesus would say it's through prayer, right? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the only way you're going to avoid that temptation, Jesus says, is through prayer. When we spend time in prayerful dependence upon God for all things, not just the big things, not just the things that are hard for us, but for everything, right? Because then we have the ability to be successful. See, Peter thought that he could handle a little pressure from the authorities. Jesus, I'm, I'm willing to die with you. Peter thought he could handle that, and, and Jesus says, Peter, you need to pray because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When push comes to shove, if you haven't prepared through prayer, you're going to fail. And he did. And I think about myself, and I think about you, and I think about us, individually and collectively, when do we tend to not depend upon God in prayer? Well, I know for me it's when I'm doing things that, well, I already do well, right? I don't need to prepare for that through prayer because, well, I've done that a thousand times. I've done that job or that task. I've been a parent for almost 18 years. I, I don't need to pray to prepare for that for today. Right? I've, I've been a husband to my wife for almost 20 years. I don't need to prepare for that, right? I can handle work. I can handle this. I can handle that. And yet, Jesus' admonition is you prepare by praying. Whether that's making a shopping list or loving my spouse whether that's parenting or being a co-worker, are you spending time preparing for those things through prayer? Because what it does is, prayer, dependent prayer on God for all things puts us in an attitude of humility, right? Because see, when I'm not praying about something, what that communicates is, I've got this. I don't need God here. And I think about my day and I think, how many times do I do that? How often do I say to God, I don't, I don't need you here. God, I need you for this, but not for this. And whenever I'm not praying, whenever I'm not in dependent prayer, what I'm communicating is, God, I don't need you for this. 
See, when that comes out, whenever you or I get angry or frustrated or annoyed about something, what that communicates to me is my kingdom is not going the way that I wanted it to go. And all that says is, is that I'm prideful. I expect life to treat or people to treat me a certain way and they didn't or it didn't and so I'm angry or annoyed or frustrated or put out. And that's just simply a, a symptom of pride. Instead of, God, would you help me handle whatever comes my way today in a way that pleases you and brings you honor and glory? Even if my enemy is unkind, help me to be kind. Even if my friend is unloving, help me to be loving. Even if that situation did not go the way I planned it, help me to respond in patience and grace and mercy to the other people that are going to be affected as well. One of the the great indicators of am I dependent upon God is am I rattled by life more often or not? And Jesus says we need to pray. And so to prepare for the celebration of the resurrection, we need to, we need to pray to avoid temptation. And the greatest temptation is pride. The greatest temptation is I don't need God for this. Because the resurrection doesn't mean anything if I don't need it for life. If I can do it, if I'm okay without God, then why do I need the resurrection? Right? That was the proof that if I've, if I've united myself in His death, then I will also be resurrected. I'll have real life. I'll have spiritual life. And if I don't need that, then the resurrection doesn't mean much to me. But if I start developing a life of prayer, dependent prayer throughout my day, every day, then it allows me to participate in a, a, a Christ-like kingdom, a Christ-dependent life that is opposed to my vanity, opposed to my pride, opposed to my kingdom. It's a, it exalts God and who He is. And I confess that's difficult. There are hours that go by in my day and look back and go, I didn't pray about any of that. And sometimes that's okay because nothing came up that rattled my life. It's a lifelong discipline that we have got to develop as God's people is this ongoing dependent prayer. And so I need to remind you that that really is our preparation. There may be a thousand other things that we think we need to do, but if that is not the foundation, nothing else matters. Because you see, there is nothing that I can do, there is no preparation that I can make that will allow me to stand before God innocent. I can't earn His favor. If I'm not clothed in Christ, then when I stand before God, I'm guilty. 
if I'm not dependent upon Him first and foremost for the forgiveness of my sins through His death and resurrection, if I've not repented and, and grabbed hold of that as the only thing that's necessary, then nothing else really matters. But the good news is that Christ went before us. As He did for the Israelites as they went to ask their neighbors for gold and silver. As He did for the disciples as He made preparations for the Lord's Supper for them, for that Passover meal. He's gone before us to the cross. The Gospel says we don't need to put blood on our doorposts anymore to avoid death. Christ has done that for us. The Gospel is good news because He's gone before us and achieved forgiveness of sins for us. So what do we do? Well, we pray. We continue, we, 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 we leave this room today and we continue to fight the battle of I need to pray about all aspects of my life. About how I'm a parent, about how I'm a spouse, about how I'm a child, about how I'm a brother or how I'm a sister or how I'm a coworker or a boss or an employee or a neighbor. About how I spend my time, about how I spend my money, about how I prioritize things. Because there is a constant temptation for me and for you to build our own kingdom. There is a constant temptation for us to build our own kingdom and Satan is subtle and he sneaks in even ways that, that sound good and look good and maybe even look religious but it's based solely on what I want and the way I want to do it. It's not dependent upon God. So are you praying? Again, a lack of prayer is a sign of pride. So, one last thought. After they left the upper room, they went up into the garden and Jesus said, stay and pray with me. And then He went away and He actually prayed. Best we can tell, possibly for about three hours. He says He came back and says, could you not stay with me one hour? Then He went back again, came back, went back again, came back. So there's a... It seems that he prayed for a long time at the very least. If Jesus, fully God, if Jesus needed to spend time in prayer before the cross, then what makes us think that we don't need to spend time in daily prayer so that we can be obedient and take up our cross daily? But if the Son of God, the Creator of all that we see, needed to spend time in prayer before His cross, then what makes us think that we don't need to spend time daily in prayer so that we can take up our cross daily and follow Him? What I want for myself, what I want for you, what I want for us, is that that celebration of the resurrection really is a celebration of the life that He has given to us. And I'm convinced that it will mean more when we have begun and we have embraced dependent prayer upon Him every day. That, we will, that will really become a true and wonderful celebration. Let's pray together. God, as I prayed earlier, we need You. 
I am tempted and I know that we are tempted to do things on our own. We are tempted to build our own kingdoms. And God, some of that is from a long series of past hurts and abuses and hardships and frustrations. And God, I know for some of us it's not easy. I also know for others of us it's from a long string of I've wanted to do things my own way for a long time. And I'm in the habit of doing things my own way. God, I pray that you would, through the power of your Spirit, break down those walls. That we would get a glimpse of your glory and your power that's available to us when we are truly dependent upon you. And then may we honor you by truly walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. God, I pray that you would use this week ahead to show us where we're prideful. You would reveal our hearts to us. And then we ask the power of your Spirit that you would help us to be different for your glory. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And my prayer for you is that uh, this week would see you draw closer to him. God bless you.